Welcome to a series of talks about objective consciousness, an objective universe, and an objective way to awaken. Expanding upon the works of George I. Gurdjieff and Russell A. Smith. In today's podcast, Russell will share with you a path to awakening placed in a single book. Let's begin. Russell, as I mentioned in last week's podcast, I personally have taken my last student on the journey to awakening, which, over the last 32 years, has been quite fulfilling. For the first 30 years, because awakening was so important, I decided to control the narrative. Thus, I only took one person on the journey at a time, so that the journey would not be distorted by the greediness of others, which has proven to be the right call, as, by remaining pure, almost everyone I took on the journey awoke. Then, two years ago, the path to awakening was placed in the blueprint of consciousness, and as such, I was no longer able to control the narrative. That being the case, and as I still feel somewhat responsible to those who take the journey, I would like to do my part and inform all who wish to walk the path to awakening how the blueprint of consciousness came into being, as well as what they can expect from it. It started in 2016, when I took Gary Eggleton on the journey, who, by the way, narrates these podcasts. After which, he asked me if he could transcribe his journey, so that my teachings could be preserved in their original, undistorted form. To which, I said, sure. Fortunately, I had recorded a few other eight-day journeys, so I mailed them to Gary, and, after months of transcription, he emailed them back, after which I meticulously edited them into the blueprint of consciousness. Thus, as of June the 20th, 2020, the path to awakening was available in a book. That being said, over the first 30 years, many questions were asked and answered, either over the phone or during a class. Fortunately, several of those sessions were also recorded, and, as such, they became the backbone for many of these podcasts. In fact, this past Saturday, during our weekly Zoom class, a student asked me about outer octaves, which prompted me to construct this podcast. It is a synoptic overview of the crux of the blueprint of consciousness, which also further answers his question about outer octaves. Okay, what is the blueprint of consciousness? The blueprint of consciousness is a definitive accounting of everything that a human being needs to know in order for them to reach their potential and awaken. 
It begins by studying the world in which we find ourselves in. A world that is filled with the diatonic colours of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo and violet. And with the diatonic sounds of do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti and do. And then it asks the question, how did it get that way? To answer that question, I started the book with a big bang, which separated the forces that were all in the same place and spewed them out into the universe. Fortunately, with the help of Gurdjieff, I was able to separate the original force into thirds, and then, subsequently, separate each of those forces into additional thirds, etc., out of which came a matrix of forces that existed at the ratios of 6, 5, and 4. That is, at 6 thirds, 5 thirds, and 4 thirds of an octave. The problem was, the forces flowed evenly. That is, they were all flowing by even sevenths. Which meant that two forces that existed at 5 thirds and 4 thirds were unable to interact with the forces that were flowing by even sevenths, as those forces did not have any of their notes at 5 thirds or 4 thirds, only at 14 sevenths, 13 sevenths, 12 sevenths, 11 sevenths, 10 sevenths, 9 sevenths, 8 sevenths, and 7 sevenths. To rectify the situation, I did exactly what Gurdjieff suggested, which is as follows. Gurdjieff. These changes in the functioning of the sacred Heptaparaparshanok consisted in this, that in three of its stop-enders, he altered the what are called subjective actions, which had been until then in the stop-enders. In this respect, that in one, he lengthened the law-conformable successiveness, shortened it in another, and, in a third, disharmonized it. And, namely, with the purpose of providing the requisite inherency for receiving, for its functioning, the automatic affluence of all forces which were near, he lengthened the stop-ender between its third and fourth deflections. Russell Eureka! By doing exactly what Gurdjieff suggested, those who read Chapter 2 in the Blueprint of Consciousness will be able to witness the universe becoming diatonic. And later on, in Chapter 6, will be able to witness how a matrix of outer octaves comes into existence at six-thirds, five-thirds, and four-thirds, which, by flowing diatonically, 
now have notes at six-thirds, fifteen-eighths, five-thirds, three-halves, four-thirds, five-quarters, nine-eighths, and three-thirds. That is, the forces that were separated to six-thirds, five-thirds, and four-thirds were now able to interact with the other forces, as those forces had notes at six-thirds, five-thirds, and four-thirds. But, before exploring the matrix of outer octaves in chapter six, they first explore in chapter three what appeared within an octave when it becomes diatonic, wherein they discover that when a diatonic octave halves, three inner octaves come into existence within that octave, which Gurdjieff introduces in the following passage. Gurdjieff. In order to study these radiations, let us take the ray of creation in an abridged form. Absolute, sun, earth, moon. Or in other words, let us imagine the ray of creation in the form of three octaves of radiations. The first octave between the absolute and the sun. The second octave between the sun and the earth. And the third octave between the earth and the moon. And let us examine the passage of radiations between these four fundamental points of the universe. We have to find our place and understand our functions in this universe, which is taken in the form of three octaves of radiations between four points. Russell With that insight, they are not only able to calculate those three inner octaves, but also the three inner octaves that occur within them, and as such, are able to see their four lower centers, their parts, and their parts of parts, as well as their two higher centers, which finally bring them into their grasp. After which, they take inventory. And, when they do, they quickly discover that they have everything that is required to awaken. All they lack is a proven method of doing so, which, fortunately, can be found in the objective exercise at the end of the Blueprint of Consciousness. But, before doing the objective exercise, they need to explore many other things also proven by the structure. So, when they do perform the objective exercise, there will be no doubt in their minds as to the validity of the structure, as well as to the assuredness of their awakening. That being said, they now plunge into chapter 4 
In it, they discover that the separated forces that are now in every diatonic octave prevent those octaves from ascending or descending, and as such, keep them trapped as harmonic oscillations. Oscillations which create a world of dualities. Dualities that explain why the world comes in packages of two. That is, up quarks and down quarks, two electrons in every orbital, protons and neutrons, the nucleus of an atom and electron cloud, carnivores and herbivores, plants and animals, males and females, essence and personality, a sleep state and an awake state, RNA and DNA, adenine and thymine, cytosine and guanine, angiosperms and gymnosperms, trees that keep their leaves and trees that lose their leaves, and even why DNA has two rails. Not to mention the fact that there are seven diatomic elements. Hydrogen, nitrogen, oxygen, fluorine, chlorine, iodine, and bromine, which all contain two atoms, explaining why oxygen is O2. They then explore the first molecule of life, the tRNA molecule, as well as the DNA molecule, whose diatonic mathematics are amazing. Then, after learning in Chapter 4 that there are two additional forces in every octave, they breathe life into those forces in Chapter 5 and, as such, have their first glimpse of outer octaves. Octaves which, by entering at the right time and in the right proportion, can assist or shock other octaves to completion. Afterwards, the three forces in Gurdjieff's diagram of nutrition, as well as the two subulates of the rRNA molecule, another one of the building blocks of life, become abundantly clear. Then, they encounter the matrix of the outer octaves in Chapter 6 that was introduced earlier in this podcast. Whereafter, they study the Universal Cosmic Weave Diagram. A diagram which not only defines the forces in the Holy Sun Absolute and the Universe, but also produces diagonal rows which flow across the structure as it fills. Ones that bring the Fibonacci series into existence. Next, they identify, diagram, and define the order 
in which atoms fill their orbitals. Pascal's triangle, Galileo's law of falling bodies, dark matter, dark energy, and the periodic table of elements. Then, in chapter 7, they explore Gurdjieff's famous obligatory gap aspects of the unbroken flowing of the whole. By finding all the octaves in the universe that have one or more of the same vibrations as a given octave. And, as such, they discover the Fa-La-Do-Mi-So-Ti-Ray sequence. A sequence that passes through every note in every octave. They also explore the octaves in the universe that influence the life of a tree, as well as the three major oscillations that influence the life of man, which, when placed in an octave, identify a duplicating oscillation, an emotional oscillation, and an intellectual oscillation, as well as reveal Gurdjieff's two famous intervals and his Harnel Ayut. Then, they learn how every force in the universe is simultaneously a denying force, a reconciling force, an affirming force, a point of minor oscillation, a point of major oscillation, the top of someone's octave, and the bottom of someone's octave. Following that, they decipher and understand the definition of the law of seven, which was given to us by Gurdjieff. The line of the flow of forces, constantly deflecting according to law and uniting again at its ends. A truth that can easily be seen in the seven white keys and five black keys on a piano. In addition, chapter 7 also explains how the being and knowledge of our endlessness proceeds down the universe and then flows back up, creating their essence centers and personality centers, as well as reveals how atomic reason, molecular reason, and objective reason are created as it flows back up. Following that, they learn how a spiritual oscillation overlaps a physical oscillation, and as such, creates life, which gives them certainty that beyond physical existence, there is indeed spiritual existence. Next, they learn that there is an octave in every interval, the notes of which explain the aspects of plants, spiders, fish, and man after which they explore the three particularities 
of Gurdjieff's Hanel Eutz, which are as follows. Gurdjieff. This disharmony in its subjective functioning, flowing from its asymmetry, so to say, in relation to the whole entire completing process of the sacred Heptaparaparshanoch, consists in the following. If the completing process of this sacred law flows in conditions where, during its process, there are many extraneously caused vibrations, then all its functioning gives only external results. But, if this same process proceeds in absolute quiet, without any external, extraneously caused vibrations whatsoever, then all the results of the action of its functioning remain within that concentration in which it completes its process. And, for the outside, these results only become evident on direct and immediate contact with it. And, if, however, during its functioning, there are neither of these two sharply opposite conditions, then the results of the action of its process usually divide themselves into the external and the internal. Russell Fortunately, with the clues offered by Gurdjieff, they are easily able to envision how all the apples on an apple tree either get eaten, fall to the ground and replenish the soil, or do a bit of both. Next, they explore the ray of creation diagram. A diagram which contains everything they learned from Gurdjieff, Bennett, Uspensky, and myself, including Gurdjieff's ray of creation, absolute, all worlds, all suns, our sun, the planets, the earth, and the moon, as well as where the first order concentrations, the second order suns, and the third-order suns or planets occur. They are also able to find Bennett's essence classes, heat, simples, crystals, soil, plants, invertebrates, vertebrates, man, demiurges, cosmic individuals, the trogo-auto-egocrat, and our endlessness. Not to mention Uspensky's lateral octave. The pertinent information from my universal cosmic weave, the food diagram, as well as where the octave of life exists. After which, they begin to prepare themselves for awakening. That is, 
after they do the homework at the end of chapter 7, which allows them to find eight additional lines of supervision in an Enneagram, culminating in them studying 14 lines of supervision, reading a poem, frying some clams, plugging a leak, going fishing, and catching a rabbit. At which point, they are ready to do the objective exercise and awaken. The objective exercise has four parts. The first part is the preliminary explanation, which is a quick review that highlights the things they have learned, which are essential for awakening. The second part is the premise, which explains the crux of the objective exercise. The third part is the great secret and great truth, which allows them to perform the fourth part with great force. And, of course, the fourth part is the objective exercise itself. Here is just a snippet of what they review in the preliminary explanation. But, before I share that with you, let me remind you that the blueprint of consciousness begins with the idea that for anything to work, it must be understood. And in order for it to be understood, it must make sense. Fortunately, the blueprint of consciousness made sense. The mathematics made sense. Russell's stories made sense. Unification made sense. Everything made sense. Also, let me remind you that in order for someone to awaken their higher emotional center, they need to unify their instinctive, moving, and emotional centers. Now, on to the review. It began with how life got kick-started by the DNA molecule. A molecule that remembered itself, copied itself, and because of that, caused life to evolve. Since that moment, all life has been trying to do the same. Instinctive plants copied themselves. Then, movement began, and creepy crawling creatures appeared, who also copied themselves. Thereafter, animals developed emotion and began taking care of their young, who too copied themselves. Next, intelligent animals found the same place to mate year after year which made copying themselves easier to do. Following that came pack animals, who worked together in order to survive, which made copying themselves even 
easier to do. All of which made sense. Then, once animals had reached that point, spillage occurred, and the first human beings appeared. Beings who possessed a new property, the property of reason, which made them superior to other animals, which also made sense. After which, those who were preparing to do the objective exercise reviewed how primitive humans had to use all of their centers in order to survive as they lived in a dangerous world. But, unfortunately, as the first human beings attained reason by spillage, and thus it was not something that they personally acquired, they, after acquiring it, did not know what to do with it, except use it to make a weapon, destroy dangerous animals, and build a fence. And, as such, they only used their reason to make the world safer for their children, which made perfect sense to them. Unfortunately, they did not realize that by doing so, their descendants would no longer have to pay attention, and as such, would fall asleep, which made perfect sense to us. After which, humanity's formatory reason became dominant. That is, since humans no longer needed to run faster than danger, as they had a spear, a crossbow, and a three fifty seven magnum, they didn't. Because of that, they lost their higher emotional centers, as their higher emotional centers were dependent upon the unification of the higher parts of their lower centers, which, unfortunately, were no longer being used. And, as a result, Atlantis sank, which also made perfect sense. Thereafter, they only had reason in their formatory apparatus, which allowed them to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G, etc. And, when they did, they were rewarded with a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, and a doctorate. Unfortunately, the mechanical part of the mechanical part of their higher mental centers endowed the mechanical part of their intellectual centers with automatic reason. That is, with the simple reason of comparison. Which, likewise, made perfect sense. Next, they reviewed how early humans did remarkable things. 
There were a lot of smart people back then, in close societies, whose children grew up and became responsible, contributing members. However, something happened, and it stopped being that way. That is, it stopped making sense. Why? Well, because they fell asleep. That's why. Sadly, once the light of higher consciousness went out, even the fakirs, the yogis, and the monks were unable to reclaim what had been lost, as their ways were all subjective ways. However, every twenty years or so, a fakir, a yogi, or a monk does awaken which keeps the idea alive that their way is a legitimate way. But since only a few of them ever attain enlightenment, they were forced to perpetrate the idea that awakening was a very hard thing to do. However, it is not. If someone told an orange tree that making oranges was a very hard thing to do, and that only one tree every twenty years or so would be able to make an orange, that would sound kind of silly, as that would not make sense. Even Jesus said, Behold, I come quickly. Accordingly, when human beings reach responsible age, they are naturally supposed to awaken. However, in their present state, awakening is almost impossible. Fortunately, Russell Smith got lucky. In his late twenties, he stumbled upon Gurdjieff, and when he did, he began reading for hours on end exercised incessantly, and memorized many things. Then, one day, out of the blue, he awoke. Later on, when folks came into his life and wanted to attain what he had attained, he shared with them the books he was reading, the exercises he did, and the material he had memorized. But, unfortunately, those things did not work for them in the same way they worked for him. So, Russell began a multi-year journey, trying to figure out why they did not. Eventually, he put the question to his higher centre and asked, Why are the folks who are devotedly doing what I did, not awake. That is, why do they not have what I have? Inner silence, freedom, clarity, reason, impartiality, no hatred, no anger, and no disappointment. To which his higher centre answered, 
you awoke subjectively. Everyone who awakens, awakens subjectively. Neither you nor they will ever be able to share their subjective way of awakening with others. It then told Russell the story of a man who accidentally kicked a root and awoke, after which a school was formed, composed of people who also tried to kick a root and awaken. But no one ever did. After hearing that, Russell understood the tragedy of it all. A tragedy that compelled him to look back at his higher centre and, in a rather angry tone, yell. If no one can awaken by following a subjective way, then give me an objective one. To which it responded, Since you already know the rules and laws, and have successfully deciphered the structure, I will give you a simple exercise that will cause people to awaken, provided that they too learn the rules and laws. It then gave Russell the objective exercise. Yeehaw! Case closed. That concludes today's podcast. Thank you for listening. If you too would like to walk the path to awakening, simply visit our website, thedogteachings.com, and acquire Mr. Smith's book, The Blueprint of Consciousness, a 520-page hardback, which is also available as a PDF download. That's thedogteachings.com. There, you'll be able to listen to other talks, obtain diagrams, animations, supporting videos, and much, much more. But, most importantly, you will have real-time access to the materials we are discussing. We also have two Zoom classes on Saturday, one for purchasers of the book, and the other for those who have received the master exercises. That's T-H-E-D-O-G-T-E-A-C-H-I-N-G-S dot com. In addition, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under The Dog Teachings. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions that you would like answered, please send them to information at the dogteachings.com and we will endeavour to answer them and perhaps even include them in a future podcast. Goodbye. Until next time.